Welcome to Once and Future Authors, Changing Lives One Book at a Time. I'm Stephanie Larkin, an author, independent publisher, and book coach. And each week we will be discussing processes and strategies to get your book finished and published and meet authors and publishing experts to tap into their experiences and expertise. There is one book out there that can change your life, and that is the book you write. So welcome aboard. This podcast is produced by Red Penguin Books, an independent publishing company working with authors of all genres. Whether you have a manuscript all ready to go, a book still stuck in your head, or perhaps even hundreds of handwritten sheets of loose leaf shoved in a drawer, visit redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Once and Future Author Podcast. I'm Stephanie, and I'm so excited today to be joined by author and head of a nonprofit, M.M. DeVoe. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. It's so <laughs> exciting to be here. I, I, I love your idea for nonprofit. It is like nothing I've ever heard of, but we, you know, let's, let's wind it all back. Yeah. How did you even get started in the, in the book publishing? All of it. So oh, I yeah. went to Columbia when I was, uh, so at first I wasn't, actress and then I realized that a nine, you know my husband's nine to five and my five to eleven and weekends did not work. <laughs> so you never saw each other we never saw each other we saw each other for like 15 minutes in the daytime and then you know for our nightly argument about how this is gonna work <laughs> that was three in the morning argument <laughs> but but I, you know, and I thought, well, what else can I do? Like, what else do I do in my life that is so, that is fulfilling and wonderful and artistic and creative? And writing was something that I had always done. I was working as a temp in a Japanese bank and I was forced to look busy at that bank. Like I had no work other than like pouring tea in the proper order. And like, I had very specific things that I had to do, but but n- none of it was was busy, busy. I had no like letters to write or anything. So I started, I wasn't allowed to read or, or do anything that looked like lazy. So I had to work. So I started writing a novel in chapters and I would give the novel to the receptionist who also had to look busy and she would read it over and say, oh, I want more of this or less of this and send it back to me. So this was like organic. It had nothing to do with, I had was completely uneducated as a writer. I just wanted to, do something that looked busy. I knew I liked writing and it was just fun for me to just create this book that this. <laughs> because you were bored like, at work. Yeah. And, 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 I, and so then at the, you know, and then when it, the whole thing with the, with the acting where it was like, it was kind of getting difficult to have this relationship. I thought, well, what I could go to grad school for writing and that would be amazing. I would love that. <laughs> And so I applied to three graduate schools and one was a, a, a residency that had, it was the very first, um, it was Bennington College had just started a low residency program. It was the very first one in the country. And it was like this groundbreaking. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, that would be amazing. I'll do that. So I signed up for that. And then I signed up for NYU because I thought, well, I've heard of it. It should be awesome. You know, and then I signed up for Columbia because I got married on the campus. Oh, well, there's a reason. <laughs> and I mean, my I'm from a Lithuanian background. My parents are very into education, but they don't understand, they didn't at the time, and I probably still don't understand like 
there's Ivy Leagues, there's like really good, no stratification of education. It's just, you should go to school, right? So I didn't even know that Ivy League was a thing. Like I didn't, (laughs) I didn't know that there was better and worse college at all. I just, at all. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm like, here, I've never taken a writing class. I might as well like, here's my paper, you know? (laughs) You know, sometimes ignorance is bliss. Crazy. Yeah, I would never, I mean, I would never have dared to apply, but they probably laughed so hard reading my application that they were like, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> they were like, this oh, one, this one will be fun. You know? <laughs> and hopefully also my writing was good enough that like, you know, I didn't suck. So <laughs> hopefully that was like part of it. But um, yeah, so since then, you know, I've, I've published a bazillion short stories and poems and different genres and all kinds of different things I have like literary awards in almost every genre like I, I really do like I have a sh- I mean I was in a Shirley Jackson nominated anthology non winning it won the twisted book of shadows is an anthology that I happened to be in that won the Shirley Jackson was nominated for Hugo like I won the international campaign for real fear which was like again a horror like thing right. I've one, I've got, I'm mean, have four Pushcart nominations. Like I, I, I've done okay. Wow. <laughs> okay I, I've won poetry contest. I've won an inner, like I won a national poetry contest. I don't know. Like I, I like to write. I love to write good stuff. <laughs> All of this because you were bored at work. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, obviously the, whatever I was writing was good enough that not only was the receptionist entertained hugely, but so was Columbia. So <laughs> Because that was what I used as my writing sample. I was like, well, I've been writing this novel at work. (laughs) (laughs) Does the receptionist, did she start like getting a job as an editor, a literary editor now too? Uh, You know, that's a really good question. I don't actually know. (laughs) I never, I lost touch with her after I left, after I went to school. (laughs) She deserves at least like an autographed copy of that. I know, I really, I should. I should like dedicate every one of my books to her forever. (laughs) You're so right. Now, I do have to ask one little question. Yeah. How on earth did you meet your husband when you don't even see each other? Oh, yeah, well, so we were both. <laughs> so he was my boss at He was my boss at work. He was <laughs> Japanese place while you were writing. Oh, no, 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 no. No, at a stupid little, like we were at a, at a retail shop. Oh, we, okay. we used to sell furniture together oh, and we, we became friends and we would, and all of a sudden my schedule was exactly aligned with his perfectly. Like a week. <laughs> yeah. I like to say like he was my boss and now he's not. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Like, but well, no, we've been married for 28 years, 28, 29 Long years. enough that you could say things like that. Monstrous amounts of time. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. He's a good man. So the stars aligned for a week. You two met because you had the same hours. And now, yeah, yeah. And now the 28 years, it lasts because you're on different hours again. Exactly. <laughs> no, I love good. how you came to writing. Oh my gosh. You, you're it's the such first. a random. It's so random. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I knew that I, I knew I was good at it. Like I did win in college, I won a national poetry contest. Like I, I did it because I needed the money. <laughs> so poor I needed the money so badly and I'm like and I was walking by a, a thing on like a flyer like a flyer on a bulletin board remember flyers no way, no yes. way. so and it was a flyer that was like national poetry contest enter and I had just written a villanelle for 
prosody class or something. Like I, it was for a, it was for a class, and I was like, oh, I'll submit it, and then when I win, I'll be out of my money troubles. I love your confidence. I, I don't. I confidence, stupidity. I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> I. I mean, what I, what I have that is, I think a great thing for all anybody in the arts to have is an it rejection hurts but I move on like an ability to move on from the bad stuff because I had to tell you in the in any arts career the bad stuff piles on and on and if you hold it you're going to be buried like you can't it was very funny I tweeted at Margaret Atwood one day I I am so weird. So I tweeted at Margaret Atwood, like, have you ever been, like, do you still get rejected? And she wrote me back on Twitter and said, yes. And so like, nobody is immune to rejection. Nobody is immune to the harsh, difficult, like you have to send it out a hundred times. You, I mean, like things happen to us all the time, COVID. <laughs> You cannot predict what crazy things are going to be negative in your life. So, I mean, I just, I really focus on the positive and I really try to find what's good, find what connects, find what brings us together, finds what lifts us up. And Pen Prentice was really founded on that kind of an attitude that we're all going to be writing different things. Whether or not you have talent has nothing to do with us. Like, I, I hope that you have great talent and that you'll get found and that you'll be in the right place at the right time and that your stuff will be marketable by chance. Like, I mean, because, you know, trying to make all those check marks happen is a way to hurt yourself, yeah. like to change your identity so you fit in better or to write about something that you don't care about because you think it's going to sell. That's a, that's a very sloggy kind of way to do something that is supposed to be about joy and connect. I mean, I don't know if it's supposed to be. It's like, <laughs> There's no supposed to be There's like no the whole be. should is like ah, forget should like like do do just do. yeah but but all those things will will stop you will freeze you right and and I think that like as an artist or as a as a writer or an actor anything that you do like you just have to keep doing it if you stop doing it you can't possibly make it right and you're also giving up if you stop doing it you stop being yourself. Right. For an artist, that's a piece of yourself. So if you stop doing it, you stop being authentically you. That is 100% true. Yeah. Okay, we're done. <laughs> so far, I mean, you give me so many like gems, but two that I just totally want to like run a highlighter on, stick it on a post-it and shout out to the world that I hope, I hope our listeners heard. Um, First of all, I love what you said about, you know, rejection and it happens. I mean, it, you know, you just have to assume that, you know, if you're not getting rejected, that's because you're not putting yourself out there. Like yeah. it's going to happen. Well, people are starting to get that. There's starting to be groups that like the women who submit is like a whole thing that the people just get together and they submit and then they have community around just getting it out. There's like Facebook groups about this. There's so many ways to like. And, and I love uh, Stephen King in, in his memoir on writing. He talks about the first time he submitted something and he got rejected and he had a nail 
over his desk in his in his attic. Of and course he, he did. And he put it and he put it right there on the nail because and like he accepted it immediately. Like this is where I'm going to put my rejections. Oh, and wow. eventually they were too much for the nail, and he had to get like a giant stake. <laughs> the rejections there's but, something very pleasing about staking the rejection though i mean there's like but it was like it was kind of from his cathartic right writing it was he knew it was part of the process right like i write i send i get rejected it's part of the process and he even had like a built-in spot for it like here's the nail where that's I'm good going. i have a spot for it too it's the See? garbage <laughs> I really enjoy throwing away rejection letters and just being like, delete, don't care, never thinking about it again. And then, you know, like, the, but I like the people that like save them to like kind of gloat later where they're like, oh, look, haha, ha, look at what this, you know, super famous editor said about my best selling novel. Like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a vengeful person. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but I am, a, I'm a get over it person. I'm like, oh God, I don't want to hear about this ever again. Like, I'll, but then it's a problem because then I like I might have a, a second thing that I'm sending to the same person and they're like, oh, yes, we liked your first one. We're so glad that you sent it. I'm like, oh, did I? Huh? <laughs> did I send to you before? <laughs> and you know what else I love that you said? And I, and I hope everybody heard because I see this all the time. You don't overthink things, do you? You just Not, well, that's a funny thing because uh, I do overthink everything. See, I'm, I'm hearing you, and but I don't plan. I I do, and then I but I try, but I yeah, it's interesting. That's a very. I'm not, I'm gonna have to. I am gonna have to think about that. Okay. I am. I, mean, I am like very to Columbia in the in the tweet to Margaret Atwood. Like, just do it, and I'm loving that because I, I don't worry. I don't worry. That's true. I, I, I worry is not a part of my life. I, I thinking like overthinking that does happen. And when that happens, it stops me from usually doing stuff. If I, if I get like, but I, but I, I'm thoughtful, not worrying. Like I'm, I, I, I always know like, okay, well, these are the terrible things that could come from this. That's probably not going to happen. So these are the things that are probably going to happen that are, good or bad but they're probably going to happen and then these are the things that are definitely going to happen and i want like i that they can't happen without it without right. me trying to do this and like publication for example like you could send out something that is so bad that the editor will never open another email from you <laughs> that is probably the worst thing that could happen if you send out something right that is a very unlikely like if you are at very all unlikely. yeah decent like that is probably not gonna happen i mean seriously they don't they don't keep them over their desk like steven right King. and even if you send out 50 like they're gonna get to know your name but hopefully they you're getting better or like maybe they're starting to like you at they're like oh look it's another look it's another mm devoe short story let's see if i can publish this one nope but they <laughs> but they'll like write you a letter that says like oh i really like this one it was so good and i sat on my couch and I, and i was really freaking out but i'm sorry we don't publish things that are about or, or we've just published four things that are about old age and we can't publish this one. But they'll write you letters. Like I get fan mail from my rejections at this point. Like not always, but like there are there are magazines where if I send to them, they know me. <laughs> They've never published me. <laughs> and sometimes for, for people who are lesser authors out there or, or getting started, the squeaky wheel does sometimes get the oil. That's true. 
Yeah, no. although it's annoying. Don't be squeaky. No, no, don't be squeaky. Just be a wheel. Just, just be a wheel. Just be an extra wheel. Be the spare tire in the back. Sometimes people need a spare tire. And if you're a good, solid spare tire in the back, that's fine. If you're a squeaky wheel, people are like, oh my God, never. I hate her. Like, delete. They won't read your stuff. I mean, you don't, don't be annoying. <laughs> don't be annoying. But tenacity is not a bad thing. Tenacity right? is awesome. Like, showing that you... Don't give up after one thing, because I mean, they're going to edit you too. You know, like they're, they are going to have to edit your story. So if you're the person who's you like, might not even recognize it when it's over. Right. Oh, <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> like, did I write this? Yeah. Not bringing it Oh, back. it's fun. Isn't that fun? That's my, that's the funnest thing, especially when it's already published and you look at it and you're like, wow, I did that. That's pretty good. Like, and it's so neat. <laughs> because you're in a different place, you know, like, like, right, right, right. But if they change too much, you're like, I didn't really do that. <laughs> well, I, look, I mean, knock on wood, I've never had that happen. I have had friends who have had that happen. And that's sure. terrible. Like, I think, but a great editor is such a gift. Oh, yeah. like a great editor. Now, I think editors should get credit. By the oh, way, gosh. this is my, this is my, 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 my plea to the to the gods. I really think that editors should get Align credit, like you know, in the movies where every single, like the coffee person in the movie gets a credit, the caterer, everybody gets a credit. And it shouldn't be the author's job to acknowledge all the stupid people, you know, like every single, like that shouldn't, that's such a, because it's like, that's like an Oscar speech where if you leave somebody out, they get mad at you as a, you know, and it's like, how do you, every single, there's so many people built this book, you know, but it would be really cool if the publishing house would like say, this is the lead editor on this. And like, cause eventually that person is going to need, you know, like that's their credit. They, right. they worked on this book. And if they, you know, I mean, I know people who are not no longer employed by big publishing houses who list the authors that they worked with but i would rather know like what book did they work on because if they worked on the memoir as versus their like groundbreaking right. nobel prize winning novel like that makes a difference anyway i just think that no, i no, think no, editors I, have so much to do with it they do they agents do. too probably it, it could it's probably it's just be there like a fine line to the ghostwriter because you know, and, and most writers should get actual, oh, like, yeah, it, know, there right. should, there should be no allowed, it shouldn't be allowed to hire people without giving them a, it doesn't have to be on the cover, but it has to, like, I am so anti-celebrity books that are like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And there's no, like, no mention of who really wrote it, no mention of who really wrote it or that it was actually written by another person. I mean, it can just be, it doesn't like, I, I get it that marketing wise, nobody wants to see the name of, you know, some otherwise unpublished author, but they should get the, they should get oh, a, at least like on the inside, like a tran, like, at least like a translator I and mean, translators I should have big, big letters. I'd like to think they're mentioned in the acknowledgements, even if it's not shining a light on what exactly they did because of you this know. book could not have been written without bob cratchit <laughs> yeah it's true it should be but i mean if it if the writing is beautiful like it should be i mean i guess they get money it's they get good. money and then and then of course we get into you know uh fiction writers who are I mean, they're kind of writing their own stuff, but they're coming out with it so fast and furious, you know, top bestsellers that you know that there's... There has to be a stable. There's yeah. definitely a stable. 
and uh, you know that, and you're never going to know who, who's in that stable, but there's just no way. Yeah. I mean, it's a really fascinating because it is a, it is an art and a craft. Like you could be a great writer and have no ideas. And then what do you do with that? Like, right. But I mean, I don't know. I, I personally don't think that anybody has no ideas. I think that the marketplace doesn't want your ideas sometimes, right. but whatever. <laughs> Some people's ideas just align better with where reading trends are going or societal trends or, you know. Well, the, I mean, but the best writing breaks those like they, it breaks the trend. Like the oh best, God. the best books are the ones where you're like, I've never read anything like this in my life. Like those are the best for me. You know, those are the genius books where you're like, I don't even know where to put this on a bookshelf. Like what, where is this? Like that's my favorite kind of writing. And like, you know, how do you even, like, I, you can't even submit that to an agent because they have their, they have the categories and you're like, okay, I don't know where I fit. Like I'm somewhere in between. Like, yeah. <laughs> if the marketplace accepts me, then I'm here. And if they hate me, then I'm here. <laughs> like, this is literary unless people like it. <laughs> exactly, exactly literary. And then all of a sudden it's a book club book. Like how did that happen? You know, literary, that <laughs> for everything that doesn't fit any place else. Yeah. Or, or the fact that so much writing right now is uh, like either like near future, or like not, well, like Kazuo Ishiguro's newest book. Mm -hmm. like, is that science fiction? Is that going on the science fiction shelf? It's about AIs and like, like, Right. Where is that going? It's yeah. going where the Nobel Prize winners go, which is the literary shelf. Whatever they rate, it goes exactly. on the literary shelf. Like, and that literary shelf, man. <laughs> it's a it's a tricky word, literary. I think it should just be called other, <laughs> because it's not fair. It's not fair to it's the really great genre writers. I mean, it like somebody like maybe Tana French, right? Somebody who writes really like like the characters are deep the writing is beautiful it's you know there's pages and pages of description which is unusual in a mystery but she's she's a mystery writer right she's, she writes mysteries people die and then by the end of the book you find out who did it and it's but they are they are literary quality like li literary like grad school qual i don't know what to call it like they are very very literary books and they are mysteries and it is not fair that that somehow that's not literary. Like right. just because she happens to actually fit a genre. Right. 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 No. There you go. So so you see. I hate, can you tell that I hate pigeonholes? I don't like them. I, <laughs> I don't like them. I don't fit in them. I mean, like I said, I'm like a I'm a Texas-born Lithuanian who ran away with a bunch of jugglers. Like, where do I fit? I live in New York City. I've I've lived in Baltimore. Like I've lived in Germany. I've had like. Uh, what? Do you really juggle? No. No way. How many? <laughs> no way. Just three. <laughs> three things. Three things, and hopefully not breakable things. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I might do eggs if I was. You could do eggs. Well, it's just like balls, but scarier. Oh God! I can only do this you know, even the little kit. You know, the three. Oh, the bean bags. Bean bags. Yeah. Yeah. Hard boiled eggs. I would do hard boiled eggs. <laughs> See, I, I had said to my husband once, I bought this book and they were doing the couples and you're throwing like 
Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yes, did it. And he suggested maybe a divorce was in mind. So I thought it was maybe. Oh, I, 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 I taught my husband and then we did, we started trying to do the one. I like the one where you're juggling and then somebody comes up behind you and takes oh, over God. and then throws. I've, I've tried to, I started with juggling and then we moved on to parenting and that's how. <laughs> yeah, we well, that's the thing. We, we did, we, we did the parenting and really now we're just- <laughs> Yeah, it's good to have a partner who can take over and then not drop the balls. Absolutely. Yeah. So you speaking of parenting, please, please tell oh, us. Oh, oh, hey, there's my website. There's Hello, website. website. Please tell us all about it and how this yes. started because I mean So first of all, the, the fellowship is open. I just saw that I just saw that blog post scroll by. But the fellowship is open. There's Dawn Ryan. She's our current fellow. And I just saw uh where did she go? And um Anjali just was is is this past the one year back fellow. Um, there's Anjali. She was she was one year ago. There's Dawn. She's right now. You have to read her story. The cats. It will blow your mind. You will not believe what she did with the word count. Um, so the fellowship is open right now. It's open until um, when is it open until April seventeenth is the deadline. It is for new parents. So we have extended the description of new parents to reach all the way to 10-year-olds, uh, almost 10-year-olds, nine-year-olds. So if you have a child uh, that is under 10 years old, then you, and it can, you can have more, but at least <laughs> one child that is under 10 years old, you are qualified for this fellowship. It's great. Uh, it is $1,000 that you can use for whatever you want. Are you pregnant In just for this or no? You can try, but you won't be ready by the deadline. You could probably enter next year. If you, <laughs> um, you have to work pretty fast, but um, the the it is an annual fellowship, so you know you have you have years and years to, to worry about. But um, you get a thousand dollars. You get a year of mentorship, which means like talking to me. I don't know if you want that, but it's kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> can be, uh, and then uh, you, you also get. Uh, you get to be in our meetups, which are really great for, um, that's what our, our title members have. It's an amazing perk. It's an accountability meetup that meets once a week and you set goals and have a group that actually cares whether or not you achieve them. Um, it is the, the, the community part of Fen Prentice is really important to me and to us. Uh, we really want people to make friends, to be, to be part of a group of writers that have kids. We have a Facebook group that has something like 800 members on it or something. And Facebook algorithms keep trying to hide groups from you. Oh. So it's so frustrating, but we post an accountability thread every Friday that anybody, even if they're not like, you know, sustaining members, they can still like get the benefits of what we do in person uh, with the people that are sustaining members. Uh, we also have uh, literary salons once a month that are free and open to the public. And they are, uh, there's a $10 suggested donation, but if you can't, like, if you cannot buy yourself a cup of coffee, you cannot, then you can come for free, it's fine. But um, the, they, we present small groups of authors with a theme and all of the authors have kids. And so they are, um, so they all talk a little bit about how they, you know, manage their lives so that they can have a successful writing career. And they, and, and it's really fun because we also talk about a theme. So like the, the theme that we just finished was identity. Uh, and we had some really interesting conversations about that. And then uh, this coming month, April uh, 13th, I think it's the second Tuesday of the month. So it's at seven o'clock Eastern time. Anybody can come. Uh, it's on Zoom. So uh, uh, it is, what is it? Oh, love and loss. 
is is this coming theme. So and <laughs> how did and, the apprentice begin? What was oh, that? so yeah. So my friend and I had a reading series in which we were presenting. Uh, we were already presenting. Like it was kind of a precursor of the salons. It was a read. It was an after work reading series, and then it turned into the salons. And then we started a fellowship that I was like, I want this. Like I want more people to see this and do this. And so um, I, the fellowship was like, I can't believe I started that before anything but then in like 2014 I started I started going like okay this needs to be a thing like too many people are asking to join it and it's there's nothing to join <laughs> so I should make something that to join you know we had a fantastic um there was a lawyer who would come she didn't have kids she was no longer married and she would just come to the salons because it was so interesting and intimate and she really got to know the writers and so she, she, she was working at this huge law firm and said, you know, we'll just pro bono, we'll just help you if you need help. And so they, this law firm did all the work for setting it up. And I just had to find a board, which I found two great human beings I will never forget. Like uh, Michael Del Castillo, who is the president of Literary Manhattan was our first secretary. And um, uh, Emily Spear Ryan, who was just a woman who was good with numbers, was our first treasurer. And now she's like a businesswoman and has like 25 reports. But at the time, she was just like this babysitter that I loved. <laughs> and now we're friends. But it, but she, the, the, the three of us, and then I was the president. And then that was our first board for, you know, two years before we brought in some, some other people. But uh but we've always just, I, I think from the beginning, we were just mission driven. Like the mission of Pen Francis is to help writers stay on creative track after they have kids, full stop. Like if you have kids and you are stuck, we are here for you. And we are not, we are a hundred percent inclusive. So I, if you are, you know, a straight white male, it's okay here. And if you are a, you know, gay black female that is great too like we we are so happy with anybody's identity we don't like that is not we don't judge we also do not judge your parenting right. like if you are a stay-at-home mom who makes organic peanut butter from peanuts that you grow in your backyard that's fine and if you are the mom that that takes the you know frozen kmart things and feeds them to your children in the car on your way. I don't care. Like, this is not about your parenting skills. It is only about, do you want to be a writer? Can you do it? How can you do it? We will help you. Like, <laughs> that is it. So inclusivity happens to be one of our four pillars. Can you tell? <laughs> like, really, like, uh, I think people do the best that they can with what they have. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. and, and we want to help by giving you more options or, or just lifting the guilt a little bit. Like uh, one of the things that we've discovered that we have to do as an organization is to break the stereotype of like writer and parent, both, both of them. Like writer parent is a collective stereotype that needs to get broken because when I was in grad school, people would outright say to particularly women, don't have kids that will ruin your career. Like they, and that was, but that was said to all women. It wasn't just to writer women, but to, it was sort of especially to artists, you know, like that you're not going to be edgy or you're not like, there's all these things that are like, yeah. So 
I was, uh, <laughs> I happened to be in Sweden on a layover from there to Lithuania. And <laughs> I went to the museum of the Nobel Prize because I wanted to see the Nobel Museum. And it, at the time when I was there, eight out of the 10 Nobel Prize winners for literature, eight of the 10 were parents. Oh, wow. Eight of the 10 that year had kids. So yeah. you can actually have a career. Absolutely. Actually, you just have to, it's hard. Like, it's just hard. Right. And, um, and actually, that's what my, my whole book is about that. It's about like, how do you do it? And what, it's more like a what to expect, you know, like my, my book is, it's called Book and Baby, but it's not really about babies. It's about like what to expect in every stage of parenthood and, and writer, writerhood and at the writerhood. same time. So it's like, you know, what, what, you know, for example, like when you have a nine-year-old, what can you expect to have a lack of? Because the way that we present things at Pen Prentice is that it's not like the baby doesn't affect your talent. Your, your talent stays the same. What the baby will affect or what your child will affect is your resources. It will affect how much time, energy, and money you can like devote to your writing career, to any career actually. But yeah, but how much time, energy, and money do you have to give that is not gonna be family time? You know, that like, or, or how are you good? Well, so here's the thing. So here's my, <laughs> here's my thing that eventually I'll probably write an article about it, but not today, but it's like, I have this, I have this like idea of like, people say balance, right? They say balance and balance is also one of our pillars at Pen Branches. Like balance, community, um, inclusivity, and what's the fourth one? Community. I said community. Community, community balance. Oh, professionalism. Professionalism. Like to treat yourself like a, you're not a hobbyist. Like right. there are hobbyists and that's fine. Hobbyist doesn't matter what you do. You can write once and never write again. It's your hobby. But if you actually want to have a career, you have to treat it professionally. So professionalism is one of our, one of our standards. Um, anyway, what was I saying? What was I saying? <laughs> oh, balance. So yeah. balance, um, the way I see balance is not the scales of justice where okay. I am a parent. Now I have no career. I am a career person now I am a terrible parent that is a horrible way to look at your life just horrible don't ever do it again <laughs> the way you could think of balance is more like a calder mobile with like a thousand weird shaped pieces that are hanging in all these different places and if you move one it's going to affect the rest of your life like everything that you care about is on this mobile and even like this new word, self-care, <laughs> you know, like that's on there too. Like things that you like to do. Like I happen to personally like jigsaw puzzles. Okay. I want them up there. I want a jigsaw puzzle in my mobile. Right. And, but where that is, that's like the jigsaw puzzle is the thing that gets moved the most. It's like the, oh, okay, I'm not doing a jigsaw puzzle today or, yeah, this month, right. or possibly this year or maybe this decade. And it won't kill me. Like it's fine writing is near the middle where I will write. Like I get it that I have to run this nonprofit and I get it that I have to take care of my kids and I love them. And my husband needs some time and I need some time, but my writing is staying. Yeah. <laughs> and whatever else has to move around to make sure that those very important things to me stay balanced, that they are not too crazy mm. and that everybody is floating and not like, that there isn't this, like 
you know? So, so that's why I like, I, I think that if you think of it as a bigger mobile and like that the balance is like something that things will shift and it's okay for things to shift around. Like it's okay for me never to do a puzzle for the next five years until I need to do a puzzle and then I will do it and then I'll find some then I'll I don't know stop sleeping or something or stop reading I don't know like things you know things shift and I think that giving yourself the permission to shift around is a big deal especially as a parent like and I think it helps your parenting to be able to shift around because like all of a sudden one day there's no naps what do you do force your kid to nap like do you or do you just sort of accept like oh okay so now there's no naps that sucks for my writing because I was writing during nap time like do you know what I mean like it kind of it sort of affects things but it doesn't have to be something that it breaks you like you can these even coronavirus it's the worst but here we are a year later and we have most of us figured out some way of dealing with the fact that we are in the house with our kids 24 7 like that there's you know and we're like okay like these are the thing, you know, we figured it out and it's, it, it's hard. And now they're going to open up schools next in two weeks. And it's like, wait, wait, my schedule. Like, <laughs> oh, right. Exactly. <laughs> what? Exactly. My schedule, my schedule. Yeah. So that was a very long winded um, well, answer to yeah, whatever I, your question was. <laughs> Panda bears and how to save them. Like, I don't know. I love that you're, you're talking about how different stages, you know, you're, when your children are babies. Now, when my kids were babies, they never napped. So Right. And that's too. I mean, that's true. You can't. And that's the thing with parenting groups is, you know, when you're people will tell you this is going to work. And you're like, it it doesn't work for me, you know, and then they feel like their their advice isn't heard. And you feel like you're being told what to do, which is wrong. And then and it's it's so so like my book has none of that attitude. Like it is so you know your kids best you know your time best exactly you cannot um, all of the other uh books that i have seen that are about writing and parenting are about one person's experience my book i I talked about 300 writers that all the people that came on our stage from 2009 to 2019 we i just looked through them and was like okay well you know these are the similarities and these are the differences and you can't like you can't always write during nap time. Some yep. people can. Some yep. people write super late at night because that's when they're awake or that's yeah. the only time they get when there's nobody else in the house and they make themselves write at night even though they wish they I mean, there's, you know, I think you learn as a parent to be less precious about stuff or you learn what isn't precious and what is actually like necessary to your writing. Like it's you know and, and what's cool though <laughs> is you know sometimes because you're a parent and you do have limited time resources etc you're more selective yeah yeah that's true and, that's and also you can a lot of the writers that did manage to finish their books discovered that they were much more productive when they had a time to sit down they worked they were they knew and they had planned in advance what they were going to work like that was kind of one of the tricks that actually throughout all of the stories, the ones that were able to, at some point in their day, decide what they were going to do when they sat down. And then when they sat down, they could get right to work and get to, and, and not just sit in front of the empty screen going, oh, I don't know what to do. 
I have two hours. It's the only two hours I've had in a month. What do I do? Like, that's a terrible feeling. Absolutely. I want to make Hey, sure look, there's my book. There's your book. I just my book. <laughs> <laughs> the Complete Guide to Managing Chaos and Becoming a Wildly Successful Writer Parent. I it is true. All of those things are true. <laughs> I don't I don't make any guarantees that you're going to actually manage chaos or that you will become wildly successful. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer. I, I mean when I say it, when I say it, I always laugh at the end because it's like, oh God. Because <laughs> is there ever a complete guide? No. Is there ever a way to actually manage chaos? It wouldn't be called chaos if you could manage it. And like, you know, wildly successful, what does that even mean? Like, I love that title. It's the, it's so true. It's so true. Like, that's what you want. It's what you want so badly. But, you know, I love that you said eight out of 10 Nobel Prize winners yeah. were parents. You yeah. know, it doesn't have to be this yeah. or this. Yeah, exactly. And the people that we present at the salons, like their bios will knock your socks off. Like Jennifer Egan, you know, Min Jin Lee. These are people that are astonishing writers, astonishing. And they have kids. So somehow they did it. They did it. Like it can be done. It's partly... You know, I wonder how many people stop stop doing things because they think it's impossible. Mm. Like they just have decided that it's impossible. It's just not possible. I cannot do this because, and then they have the reasons. Oh, the reasons. There's so many reasons, you know. But okay. instead of saying like it's impossible because of these reasons, if you say, "All right, it's really hard because of because of these reasons," that's fine, you know. Or it's really hard, and the only time I have is this time and then you just start using that time i mean i can't tell you the number of people that we I, I i literally can't tell you because i don't know the number of people but um i'm not a numbers person but but i do know that at least one person has written not a novel on or even a poetry collection on the train like commuting to pick up their kid from to and from school back when we used to commute and have kids out of the house you know <laughs> I was gonna say to you, how much writing got done this year now that everyone's kids were home? Well, I've published a book, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it's a. I, I mean, can I? The the spike in pen parentis like panic attacks is so like you know not not just like yes we have more members but we have more stressed, terrified, upset. Like we actually did two sanity lunches. I did a sanity lunch with a educational psychologist just talking about like productivity when you are at home trapped when your when the parents need to be productive and the kids need to be productive because they have to do school so it's kind of becomes your responsibility to manage so you're a project manager in addition where you used to be a taxi driver now you're a project manager like you have to figure out the the you know, the event space in your house and like who's going to get to use the good Wi-Fi spot and when and I mean, it's crazy. And then the people who don't, who literally, like, I, I do not have more doors than people in my house. I think that the people who have more doors than people are blessed. Like, <laughs> it is so hard sometimes when there are, you know, when, when there are multiple things that need to happen and not enough private space to, to make it happen. You know, I'm fortunate because I can come over here and like be outside of my house to do this. This is unusual most people can't do that like this is not you know normal oh i have a great i have a great pandemic trick though okay 
some of our members who are writers who cannot do it in their house because of having to toddlers are really the hardest because they can't leave you alone. Like if you, if you exist in the house and particularly if you are ignoring them actively, they come find you. <laughs> it's almost like a, it's almost like a survival skill. It's like, wait, my mom isn't actually watching me. Let me find out why, you know? <laughs> and, and when you are watching them, they don't want you. So it's, it's oh, so frustrating, but whatever. The, the way to get around that is if you have a car right in your car, go in your car and close the doors and, you know, be careful. So there's ventilation and all that, but, you know, <laughs> but really, but that is a, like, I, we have, we have successful writers that are actually completing work by just getting in the car, driving the car, like to something, or like one guy has uh, his kids are in swim lessons and during swim class, instead of driving home, he sits in his car for that one hour and just works. And nowadays you can almost get Wi-Fi anywhere. Like, I mean, I have a, a my, my nephew is a filmmaker and he's pretty amazing. He, he's in the van life, life, you know, like he has a, yes, yes. his whole life is in the van. And he, he finished college. Like he went parked outside of public libraries where there is free Wi-Fi to do his classes and, and has a great, and he, he graduated. He's like a DePaul university graduate because I mean, you can do it in your apartment, but you can also do it in your car. So, you know, just putting that out there for the people who do not love like that. me have no car or whatever <laughs> park outside of a place with with free wi-fi that works mm -hmm. that's you a know. thing and for people who aren't in the city i hear that walmart lets you park overnight so oh my take you away i heard that from one of those van life things yeah yeah that's so interesting yeah van life is an interest i saw nomad nomad land nomad land that was quite a movie yeah <laughs> I love these tips. I absolutely love these tips. I'm into them. I want to help people. Like I, I think people need to do what they need to do. And I want to help that because I like books. So write more of them. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, so we want to read you. I'm just going to remind our viewers who you're going to be reading. Um, yeah, read me. Baby by uh, Mildevo, But you also want to go to penparentis.org. Yeah. and check out all their offerings over here. Um, the fellowship does have a, a deadline, but all of their programs do not. That so get on over there, join the community. Um, you're gonna, you're gonna, it's gonna ignite your writing. You're gonna find a community of people who understand you and, and know what you're going through and, and give you some helpful tips. I mean, who knew what people were doing? But just knowing that people are doing it and succeeding is gonna make you realize that this is not impossible. Absolutely not impossible. You are such a delight. Thank you so much for joining us. It was my pleasure. I really oh appreciate it, Stephanie. So inspiring, thank you. thank you. Thanks for having this podcast. And Yay. they're all gonna start writing. They, they oh my they're all in their car already, forget it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us and have, have a great next book. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining us for Once and Future Authors. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Reviews help other interested listeners to find the show so your review could launch new books every day. Thanks again for joining us and happy writing.